go to war against our inclination towards busyness and the stuff and the trimmings of Christmas, can we go to war against some of that and create space for ourselves to meet with Jesus? Can we make space not to miss the wonder, the beauty, the magic, the glory of our God come, Emmanuel, God with us. This is what we're celebrating. So let's celebrate Christmas itself and not celebrate the stuff around Christmas, which we think of as Christmas. When I say the word Christmas, you think the pretty lights and the Christmas tree and the family dinners. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the incarnation of Jesus, the beauty and miracle and wonder of our God entering into our world. So let's commit together. We're going to make room. Make room for Jesus at Christmas. We need to hear that every year because we just won't do it otherwise. It'll just come and go. Jesus, in our Advent series, what we're doing is we're asking Jesus the question, why is Advent a big deal? What's, what's the point? What are you trying to, what, why should we care about Christmas? And so what we're doing is we're looking in places in the Bible where Jesus will tell us explicitly why he is here. I've come so that, Jesus, why are you here? Last week we looked at verse uh, John 20, 12, verse tw- uh, 46, where Jesus explained why he came. He said, I have come into the world as light. I've come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And today we're building on that theme. We're getting more specific because the light theme is a big, broad category. But Jesus has more to say to us. Today we're turning to Luke 19. You can throw that one up. Uh, we've got one verse today. This is one of the places where Jesus gives it to us straight. Jesus, why are you here? The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And today what we're going to be doing is using this kind of this verse, this mission statement of Jesus as our template, and we're going to work through it in three parts. There we go. Son of Man. This this God-man came to seek, and he came to save the lost. So, let's jump in. Firstly, the Son of Man. The Son of Man, this is the question we're asking with this this first part. Who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus guy? Because, the reason that's important, because there are, presently, endless versions and caricatures and kind of uh, made-up versions of who this Jesus guy is. Uh, there's a great scene in the comedy masterpiece, Talladega Nights, where uh, the main character, Ricky Bobby, is having an argument with his family, arguing about which Jesus they're going to pray to for grace. And he says he loves the baby Jesus. So he's going to pray to baby Jesus. And his family's like, no, 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 Jesus grew up to become a man. We should pray to the adult Jesus. He's like, no, no, when it's your turn to pray, you can pray to your, your favorite Jesus. My favorite Jesus is baby Jesus. Okay, so I'm praying at Christmas at, at Christmas. Uh, to, to baby Jesus, Christmas Jesus, right? You can pray to grown-up Jesus, teenage Jesus, whatever Jesus you like when it's your turn. Um, I googled Jesus, and this is literally what comes up on image search, guys. Um, and so it's a, bit, it's a bit silly, but this is, this is our culture. Which version of Jesus do you like, right? Um, so here you've got, you can see a dreamy Jesus. <laughs> so dreamy. You've got frying pan Jesus. Um, you've got the chosen Jesus slash 
crowdfunded Jesus. He's got two names. Um, you've got the I had a dream and then painted my dream Jesus, which is what the bottom, <laughs> bottom one is. Um, I think that's pretty cool, but it is, it's a version of Jesus, right? Um, you've got I just went to the hairdresser and got a blow dryer Jesus. Um, it might be dreamy Jesus. I'm not sure. It might be the same Jesus. I'm not sure. Um, you've got bodybuilder Jesus, and you've got the we tried to recreate Jesus' face based on historical data Jesus. Um, that's the last one. Pick the odd one out, by the way. <laughs> um, welcome to 2022. Which Jesus do you like? Do you know what I mean? Like, this is, okay, so we've got to talk about the real Jesus, not all our pretend fanciful Jesus. I think probably the most common version that is probably out there in the ether uh, in our day and age in Australia is the Jesus who is a weak pushover, who floats around and uh, kind of sprinkles magic dust and says pithy things and um, kind of offends no one. Kind of, he's, that's, that's just who he is. He's just, he's, he's, uh, he's soft, mushy Jesus, right? Probably the top left one. Probably, it probably looks like dreamy Jesus. Uh, but if you've read the eyewitnesses accounts of the life of Jesus and you read what Jesus has to say to people, you come to realize that well, all of these are just absurd caricatures of what we actually have in the historical record about Jesus. They didn't conspire to kill him because he had amazing hair. That wasn't the, that wasn't the issue. The issue was he was a threat to the powers that be. He was a threat. He was the, the man who got so angry in the temple that he flipped over tables, made a whip, drove people out because they were using the temple worship to make money. Jesus said, that's not happening. It provoked a reaction out of him, right? This is the, this is the Jesus who calls the religious teachers who are heaping burdens on people that they can never hope to carry, crushing them with religious abuse, really. Calling, calls them snakes. He calls them beautiful tombs, right? Pretty on the outside, but full of decay on the inside. This is what Jesus says to these people. He's anything but safe and manageable. He is enigmatic. He's uncontrollable, and he plays on his own rules. I love the way um, C.S. Lewis famously captured um, this kind of element of the man Jesus in his children's books, um, Chronicles of Narnia, in the Aslan character, again, Aslan Jesus. Um, but I love the way he, ca- he captured a certain element of, of Jesus with this character because he's a lion. He's a huge lion. And so when the kids find out that this, this king who's coming to rescue them is a lion, they're kind of like, is he a scary lion or a good lion, like a safe lion? Like what kind of, what kind of lion is, is, is this lion? And so they ask the obvious question, is, is he safe? And the response they get from uh, Mr. Beaver, their, their host, who's teaching them about this world, he says, who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king. Friends, Jesus is not safe in the, in, the, in the terms that we think of him as, but he is good, and he is your king, and he has come to seek and to save the lost. But let's, this Christmas, resist the temptation to domesticate Jesus to defang the lion and make him a little pussycat that can fit in our lap. Let's resist the temptation this Christmas as we look at the baby in the manger to forget who the baby in the manger is. He's the God who holds the heavens and the earth in his hands. 
who spoke existence into the world. Let us not forget who our Jesus is. And so that baby in a manger, man, when you, when you realize who he is, it becomes all the more beautiful, right? This, he's helpless, he's vulnerable, and he's the son of God. He holds the heavens. In our verse today, Jesus uses one of his favorite titles for himself. Okay, if we go back to the, the verse, um, he refers to himself as the son of man. The son of man. He, this is his favorite term for himself. He says this more than anything else about who he is. He says this 80 times in the Gospels. The son of man. And so because it's Jesus' favorite title for himself, I think it's important for us to know what he's trying to say, right? If Jesus thinks it's really important that he would say it more than anything else, more than the son of God, the light of the world, all these other titles we have, the Messiah, the Christ, he calls himself the son of man, the most. So let's pay attention to what he's trying to say. Um, to just pass this out really quickly, there's basically two levels of meaning here, and both are really important. Otherwise, we kind of miss what he's trying to say. The, the first level of meaning is the obvious. So there's two levels, the, the, the obvious and the loaded. Okay, the obvious level of meaning is, it's the obvious one, right? He's saying that he's a human being. He's a son of, son of man. So when Jesus says this, he, it's a title that he's meant to underscore, underline his humanity. Okay, I'm not a ghost. I'm the son of a man. Son of man, I should say. It's, it's built into, it's, it's obvious in the title. However, there's an incredibly loaded second level of meaning that Jesus wants everyone to pick up, which his hearers would have absolutely understood. And that is that this title actually comes from the Old Testament, an Old Testament prophecy. So he's reaching back to a prophecy in Daniel 7 and laying hold of that and then dragging it into his day as well. What we're going to see in this, in this passage is that the Son of Man is no ordinary human man. This is what Daniel says, again, 700 or so years earlier. He says, Behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, that is, God the Father, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, and glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. He's talking about an, uh, an eternal king. So Jesus, he reaches back to Daniel 7 and claims this title for himself. And so his hearers would, would have heard, you're saying that you're, the, you're, the eternal, you're an eternal king that God's going to give a kingdom to? What, what was Jesus' message when he arrived and he started preaching? Friends, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. He's claiming to be the king. And then he went around calling himself the son of man. Friends, this is why he got himself executed. This is why they conspired to kill him. To see Jesus as simply like a, a wise human teacher and to miss what he saw himself as is to make up a caricature of Jesus just as silly as the ones we saw before. Jesus claimed to be the Son of Man, the King with an eternal kingdom. So it's this Son of Man we're talking about, right? This, this Jesus we're talking about, not any of the other kind of other silly Jesus. It's this Jesus, this Son of Man, who, number two, came to seek. He came to 
seek. This is what we were celebrating at Christmas time. This is just what we've been hearing Matt wonderfully share with the, with the kids, right? Jesus came. He came to seek. This is uh, that we're celebrating the, the incarnation of God. That word's such a great word. It comes from the Latin word carne, from which we also make the word chili con carne and carnival, right? It's, it's, it's meat, flesh. So God came enfleshed, in meat. That's what, literally what the word is saying. Jesus is our enfleshed Savior. He is our Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not God above us, not God under us, but God with us. He came to seek us. This is God stepping into our dark reality as the light of the world, coming to bring his light into our darkness. I think this peace is what makes all the difference in our relationship with God, in how we understand our relationship with God, you see? Because once we get it, once we kind of see that Jesus, he's not sitting back waiting for us to go on a vision quest to come find him. He's taken the initiative. He's on the front foot. He has come to get us. He has come to seek and to save the lost. That's, that's the Jesus we're talking about. He's the one that has come to us. This is what Jesus himself says in Luke 15. He, he tells a story. He says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who need no repentance. We don't have record of it, but I imagine Jesus might have done air quotes with need no repentance, right? <laughs> if you missed it, in this story, you're a dumb sheep. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you've seen the video on YouTube <laughs> of the sheep who's stuck in a, in, a, in, a, in a ditch and they get him out of the ditch and he runs and he's so excited, so happy that he jumps up and falls into the ditch again. <laughs> and isn't that just you? <laughs> and me. I'll, I'll, I'll own that one, for sure. Guys, we're the ones who have found ourselves in that ditch, who got ourselves stuck in that ditch because of our own stupidity, our own, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it myselfness, our own, God, I've got this. And Jesus comes, and he finds us stuck, helpless, and he reaches down and brings us out of that hole. Getting that truth, that it is that way around, that he is coming to get you, not the other way around, I think is what makes all the difference in how we relate to our God. I think so many people have this relationship with God where they think of him as a kind of cosmic, disappointed father who's cold, and he's distant, and he's not particularly interested. He is just waiting for you to screw this up. He's just waiting. He knows it's going to happen. 
And he's just waiting for you before he kicks you to the herb. And maybe, that, maybe that's you. You have this kind of vision of God where it's like you live under this wet blanket of guilt and condemnation because you feel this, yeah, this vague sense of, of condemnation because you know deep down, you know what, you'll just never measure up. You failed so many times. It's always going to happen. And so it's a matter of time before that hammer falls. How many of us live with that vision of God? And friends, this Christmas, I get, I get the, the joy and the privilege to say, what if your intuition is like proper heresy? What if your intuition there about God is just wrong? What if God is the kind of God who pursues those who will never measure up? What if God is the kind of God who restores those people, who takes them by the hand and leads them into green pastures? What if that God is the kind of God whose deepest heart is for you and not against you? What if that God, what if the safest place for you right now is actually in his arms and not keeping him at arm's length? What if your God loves you? What if your God has come to find you? Martin Luther says it this way. He says, he says God receives none but those who are forsaken. He restores health to none but those who are sick. He gives sight to none but the blind and life to none but the dead. God has mercy on none but the wretched. And he gives grace to none but those who are in disgrace. Friends, do you have nothing to bring to the table today? Good news. That's all you need. God gives grace to the undeserving. God gives grace to the undeserving. So today, maybe you need to learn to mistrust your feelings a little bit. They're not God. They're not the voice of God. They are subjective, not objective. They do not define real reality. Maybe today, today you need to, need to learn to mistrust your feelings. And then you need to push all of your chips onto the explicit promises of God for sinners. The explicit, clear promises of God for sufferers, for those who will come and receive grace. Maybe today you've actually just got to make that decision and go, you know what, I've been half in, half out. I've just got to go all in. And you push those chips onto the square of what Jesus has said clearly for you. Because, friends, your, your Savior is good. His heart for you is strong, not weak. He has come to get you because he wants you. It's a time to come and receive this truth. The Son of Man has come to seek. He's come to seek you. He's come to seek you. Finally, Son of Man has come to seek. He's come to save the lost. He's come to save the lost. In this story of Jesus that Jesus told in, in Matthew 15, of the man going to res, uh, find his sheep in the ditch and bring him home, the story ends with the sheep being found and then a party, a big party, because he is pumped that he has found his lost sheep. That's why we love celebrating baptisms at this church. We want to acknowledge that there is joy in God the Father when someone comes to faith. Joy. Party. And we, want to, we want to enter into that joy and experience that as well. But in the story, there's a piece missing in the story. Not every parable tells every part of the Christian faith, right? Jesus would acknowledge that. There's a part missing in the story. 
And that is, in the rescue of Jesus, in Jesus' rescue of us, I should say, his rescue cost him dearly. His rescue of us cost him dearly. Jesus came for us on a rescue mission, and in that rescue mission, his death was not an incidental part of the story, but the center of the story, the center of it. It is why he came. He did not just come to find us in a ditch. He came to find us and then rescue us through his death and through his resurrection. His death is in our place and for our sins so that we might be reconciled to God. Friends, we don't just need to be found. We need to be saved. We don't just need to be found. We need to be saved. This is what Romans teaches us in Romans 5. I remember going through this when Matt was preaching this message. It was great. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Two things. Who did Christ die for? The ungodly. Secondly, when did he do it? While you were still weak. (laughs) Which was the right time. (laughs) Not once you'd figured it out. Not once you had got everything straight in your own life. No, no. When you were weak, that was the right time for him to come for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, God's trying to get something through to you. It's his love. It's the hardest thing for us to receive. While God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, if if he loved you then, He'll love you now. And if he'll love you now, he'll love you tomorrow. He doesn't change. He doesn't change like we do. He is steadfast and faithful and constant. He's the one thing in our world that is. If he came after you to seek and to find you at your very worst, he'll love you always into eternity. One of the great British speecher, preacher, Spurgeon, he, um, he said this. He said, Christ loved you before all the worlds, long before the day star flung his rays across the darkness, before the wing of an angel had flapped the unnavigated ether, before aught of creation had struggled against the womb of nothingness. God, even God, had set his heart upon his children. Since that time, has he once swerved? Has he once turned aside? Once changed? No. Listen, you who have tasted his love and know his grace, so the Christians in the room, he's talking to you, right? You who have tasted his love and know his grace will bear me witness that he has been a certain friend in uncertain circumstances. You have often left him. Has he ever left you? You'll have, you have had many trials and troubles. Has he ever deserted you? Has he ever turned away his heart and shut up his bowels of compassion? No. Children of God, it is your solemn duty to say no and to bear witness to his faithfulness. 
Spurgeon says, and I'm going to um, agree with him here, says that it is your solemn duty as a Christian, if you are one here this morning, to bear witness to the fact that he has loved you well. He's loved you well. Do you know what it means to bear witness? It means to say something. Friends, God has moved heaven and earth to come and get you. He has loved you well. When was the last time that you simply shared with someone just how much God has, has been good to you? How well God has loved you? Said it out loud. We sing it every Sunday. We sing the songs. Yeah, that's, that's great. That is actually really awesome. And we, we need to keep doing that. The last time you actually said it to a, a single person. Though. How thankful are you really for his faithfulness, his consistency, his love in our ever-changing world where everything seems to be shifting sands. Let's be a community at Inaugura where we are constantly expressing our gratitude for how much he loves us to one another. And listen, if you're not a Christian here yet, this invitation is for you today. Would you receive the gift of God today? This is what you're receiving. And a never-changing, faithful friend, father, husband, savior. And if I'm reading this right, I believe you're here not just because you're interested in him. He's seeking you. Right? His Holy Spirit draws us. He's coming after us. He's not just an idea to be considered, but a person to be received today. So I just want to encourage you, go to him today. Pray, pray, pray. He led you to this point where you can hear him say, clearly, through Jesus himself, I've come to seek and to save you. He really has. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you today increase our confidence, not in our deserving, but of your love. Lord, that you truly do, you truly are true to your word. You loved us when we did not deserve it. If you loved us then, you'll love us now, and you'll love us tomorrow too. Lord, give us strength to comprehend the magnitude of your love for us. Please help us to lay down our sins at your cross and to receive your grace today. I want to pray that we would be repentant for the way that we shut ourselves down to you, bar the gates of our, of our heart to you. Lord, it pains you when we resist your affection. And so today, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, would you blow a hole in our defenses? Blow it up, Lord. Holy Spirit, would you pour love of Jesus into our hearts? For those of us in this room who are holding on to a deep sense of condemnation and guilt, Lord, would they hear the promise of Jesus, the explicit promise of Jesus? Grace, forgiveness, 
free forgiveness. Would you lead them into repentance, sincere repentance? Lord Jesus, forgive our sin. Forgive our sin. And give us deep assurance of your love for us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here among us, ministering to us. That you are king of this moment. Would we each receive exactly what we need from your hand right now, I pray. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, team.